0: This podcast sponsored by Prime Super, taking the complexity out of super administration so that you can get on with your business. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you.
1: Based on the new public health ideas of the 70s and 80s, and more recently Professor Alan Callagher's work, the Compassionate Communities Model posits that health is everybody's responsibility and promotes a community approach to palliative care. I'm here with Kerry Noonan, CEO and founder of the Groundswell Project. Kerry, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So first off, explain to us what is the Groundswell Project?
2: Well, the Groundswell Project is a social change organisation and we're a not-for-profit and we work really to build death literacy in the community and, um, yeah, we do that in, in a number of ways, but one of, one of the primary ways is recently we've been working um, with communities, doing compassionate communities work and and other kinds of um, change work in aged care and hospitals.
1: Mm -hmm. And so the idea of death literacy, expand on that for a bit for us.
2: Yeah, sure. So death literacy came from a body of work that has been done at Western Sydney University, a body of research looking at what happens when people come together to care. And one of the the key findings of that research was that people were learning about end-of-life and end-of-life care and learning how to care for each other while they were also caring for someone who was dying. And we um, kept, you know, it just kept coming up in the findings all of the time. And we called that... Um, Kind of collective learning or experiential or real life learning um, death literacy, and it's about it's about the skills and um, yeah the, the skills and knowledge that people learn as a result of caring.
1: Mm-hmm. And is this something do you think we've lost as a culture? Lost our death literacy as we've we're increasingly um, putting our loved ones or elder Australians into homes and uh, elder care.
2: Yeah, well, we have, and I, I don't think we meant to, but I think the economic and social changes that have happened over the past century or so means that many of the, I know, many of the social processes and rituals around dying and death and caring and supporting each other in small communities just changed because of the way society changed. So, death literacy. Um, was probably more embedded in our communities. Like we kind of knew what to do. We had um, different social norms about helping and supporting each other in times of crisis. So so yeah, I think we probably did have um, a different kind of just literacy, although it's hard to tell.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, certainly one of the things that that has happened in the last decade is a kind of a sense of reclaiming um, communities and individuals and health services, looking at well, how do um, how do these everyday kind of um, knowledges and how do these everyday kind of the everyday thinking around death and dying, how do how do regular people start to reclaim some of that? And there's different ways of doing that, but one of the ways we do that is. Um, yeah, working, working with regular people in communities and um, yeah in hospitals and, and, and other places. So we definitely we have certainly lost some of our skills about how to care and we, we certainly don't know um, in the ways that we used to about how to care for say someone who's dying and someone who has died. So we don't keep um, we don't care for dead bodies, for example, at home like we used to. Now I'm not saying that mm-hmm. everyone necessarily wants to do those things, but when people find out that it is possible to do them and it is possible to, you know, care for their dying and dead at home, then usually um yeah, there's often oh quite a um it's quite a shock for people to find out that you can do those things and, and so that that's kind of I guess where we've lost some of the um the death that we used
1: to have. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier compassionate communities. Um, some of the academic reading I've been doing is this is all based in the kind of new public health ideas of I think maybe like the 70s and 80s where the idea was early intervention in other areas of health is often better than cure. So um, can you expand on the idea of compassionate communities as you see it?
2: Yeah, it is part of the new public health, which means that um, we take a kind of a, a whole systems approach to health. Um, so health isn't isn't just the absence of disease. Health is also um, health is socially determined, and there's masses of evidence to to look at the way that the health of of everyone um, is impacted on um, by social determinants such as where you live, what language you speak, what country you, you mm-hmm. come from, and so on. And and really, and also. Um, the other kind of key thing that people like Alan Kellehare often talk about is the ninety five percent rule so that ninety five percent of our of of our experience when we're dying or grieving um, is actually with our communities it might be also by ourselves um but it often happens um it often happens outside of institutions um and but it happens. It happens in you know it happens with our friends with our families with with ourselves you know um and five percent of the time we are connected to uh, health services and we need those health services and we need compassionate care from doctors and nurses to support us as we're dying because we need sim- we often need symptom relief and other things, but what the public health approach does is tries to give a bit more space for the social because what we primarily do at the moment is think mostly about service delivery. So the compassionate Communities movement is really kind of thinking, okay, so how does everyone have a role in end-of-life care? How does everyone have a role in grief and bereavement? And when we start to think like that, we start to think, wowzers, you know, there's schools, there's workplaces, there's councils, there's sporting sporting clubs there's rsl clubs there's all kinds of rituals and care and supports going on in our communities that may not like it may not have the goal of supporting people after death but every day those places step up to support people during um during illness at time of death and after that and they're often there for longer Mm -hmm. as well so you know you're part of if you're a member of a sport club for example um you know you might be you you might you remember as you're caring for someone um and you would be after that person dies so that sporting club and those people who you're connected to they're an important part then of your grieving process so the compassionate communities movement would say okay so how is that supporting club um, supporting the person who's grieving? And there would be heaps of things they're doing. Um, And we want to kind of bring that to life a bit more and acknowledge that we're all caring for each other and um, we're all actually stepping up and taking responsibility
1: Mm-hmm. And the groundswell are, as we speak, and over the last year, have been implementing this concept in specifically eight communities around Australia. So, tell us a bit about how does that work practically, and what reaction and success or problems have you been seeing? Yeah, with
2: the project? so we, I mean, we really act more like a backbone to those communities. So, we put a, a shout out out to um, to Australians, to our networks, and to other people that we know are starting to get interested in compassionate communities work who were just starting to dabble in it or who actually were already kind of down the track a bit. And we said, well, we've got, um, you know, we've we've learnt some stuff from the UK and some of the work that they've done supporting communities. We would love to see um, more compassionate community stuff grow in Australia. We um, And as a result, we offered um, eight communities... Additional kind of support, and we we did that um, alongside the University of Western Sydney who um, western Sydney University sorry who have kind of been journeying along with us as well, trying to understand well what kind of works in the Australian setting. and we're learning lots of things and um, I guess one of the key things is that um, is that there are many people out there who want to help. There are many people out there who want to see change in the way that we do death and dying, and um, everywhere we've, everywhere that has um, started compassionate communities work has, um, has had a community kind of either rise up again because they're already kind of connected with um, the local organisation who got involved, um, or. The, you know, a new community has started to kind of um, take hold and start to think about end of life care and how we do it, how how they do it best in their local area. So, yeah, there's been a real variety of of um, projects, and all of them are um, all of them have have over the past kind of six months done uh, a thing called a town hall meeting, and that mm-hmm. is where they literally just kind of yes they who's interested in in end of life care and and caring for each other at end of life and they've um invited people to kind of come together and talk about it as a as a local community issue and yeah it's been um pretty interesting watching that that kind of happen across australia
1: mm-hmm and I believe that Bupa were involved in this scheme. Have you seen any government interest at all? Yeah,
2: so there's lots of initiatives. I think the important thing to acknowledge is there's lots of initiatives going on around Australia, that we aren't um, the only organisation who support this work. And earlier, I think last year, the um, the federal government funded some of the primary health networks to do some compassionate communities work, which has been... Um, you know, which has been an important development in the space, and yes, Bupa have have um, have supported this initiative over two years, which has been amazing, and they they really have um, been a kind of champion of us doing this um, grassroots work, which is um, yeah quite something for like a healthcare organisation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there's change happening all around, and that's um, and that's really important to acknowledge that it's not just eight communities who are doing this work. It is happening all over the place, and some of it might be called compassionate communities, and some of it might not be. But there is a massive kind of groundswell of um, of interest yeah. in end of life care and end of life support, and how we, you know, how are we going to change this this um, this work up, really? How are we going to change this experience for people in the community?
1: And do you see this, is this only applicable to palliative care, or can we transfer some of these ideas to of the compassionate model to aged care as a whole, like it, to increase elder literacy, if you like?
2: Well, yes, and many of the initiatives are happening in aged care facilities. So we currently have a project with Southern Cross Care as well that... Um, that is about bringing uh, the community more, embedding community into an aged care facility um, to a greater degree and also looking at um, how do connections, when someone someone moves into an aged care facility, they often lose their relationships and they lose many of the things that they love and that's a massive loss. Um, And Mm -hmm. one of the things we've been working on is with Southern Cross Care is, well, how can, you know, how can some of those relationships and connections be maintained despite moving into an institution? And um, that's been really, um, yeah, really interesting, really interesting work. And I think next year we'll have some um, really interesting things to say about that.
1: The Groundswell Project's National Lead of the Compassionate Communities Project, Holly Rankin-Smith, takes us through the project further. So Holly, the Groundswell project is implementing some of these concepts in eight communities around Australia. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
0: Yeah, sure. So Groundswell, um, just kind of looking at the landscape of this work in Australia and recognizing that it's you know emerging as quite a viable um, strategy to implement public health palliative care around the world, um, they decided to launch, you know, to build capacity in in Australia for it. So there's a lot of examples of the work um, in the UK and in Canada and different parts around the world. But um, we decided that we want to really invest in that work here. So how can we best support the the movement to grow in Australia and how can we learn from it? So we launched the National um, Compassionate Communities Forum and it's um, a bit of a a practice group, I guess, a a network of different um, communities around Australia that are giving it a go and seeing what they discover and what comes up as a challenge or pushback. And um, that's been going now for, well, about six months, really. Um, We launched in um, March and invited expressions of interest and we got about 30 different applications to be part of it. So that was pretty encouraging for us, just thinking that there's that many um, communities Um, in Australia that are interested and keen to, um, I guess, explore the work further. Um, And from that 30, we chose to work with eight. So a steering group made that decision and it was kind of based on having a widespread geographically, but then also having a diverse mix of um, community demographics, I guess, So, um, so that it wasn't all the same, so that we can have like... Uh, more of a diverse results or see impact in different ways from the different groups approaching the work differently Mm -hmm. do you want me to talk through the where the communities are yeah
1: that'd be great and i guess as well i'm kind of interested in how you approach do you have to approach sort of um at a political level with some councils or do you base yourself out of a an aged care center or how do the kind of practicalities work of them
0: yeah, well, that, I guess that's the um, beauty and also the real challenge of compassionate communities work is there is no real proper formula or no blueprint of work that's going to be successful um, everywhere. So there is a lot of different groups, especially in the, in the UK, who are approaching compassionate communities through more of an institution um, like a hospice. And in Australia as well, there's some really great initiatives that are happening from more of that. Top down approach, but I guess what we um, we're interested in in this project is activating citizens. So, what happens from a grassroots level? So yes, absolutely, it's about connecting with um, local councils and different um, aged care providers and um, more you know structural institutions in end of life. But I guess the real drive of this project is passionate citizens so people that have an experience with end of life and they that inspires them to want to change the way it's happening in their community or people that have realized there's a gap and they want to make a difference so then they've started having those conversations with the different institutions or at a local council level so it really is um, it's asking for broad social change so there's no one way to go about it and no best place to start But we have, through this project, focused on starting with activating just community members. Mm
1: -hmm. And more specifically, if I go back to (coughs) some of the literature that I've read, and you mentioned Mm. the UK, some of the examples have been going to local schools and getting children to come into uh, facilities and spend time with elder people. Um, Mm. Also training volunteers in actual care. Um, I I believe I read something about a Japanese um, area that, you know, voted for the best dementia-friendly cities and stuff like that. So, what you know, are there any specific ideas that have been implemented?
0: Look, um, so the communities when when people signed up with an expression of interest for this project, we um, we asked them to show that they did have a bit of wider community support, that there was already some investment in this work, and um, we asked that they. Um, start with you know a community event or a forum to really just to kind of cast the net wide and see what um, ideas or initiatives come up and the purpose of exploring it that way is um, because if the community is identifying the um, strengths and also the gaps Um, then the community is coming up with the solutions to fill those gaps. And that's when um, initiatives like you've just talked about in terms of young people in schools or um, bereavement support in universities, ideas like that are starting to come up out of the communities in this stage of the project now. Mm -hmm. So it will be really interesting in the next 12 months to see what comes of it. But there's already some fantastic things going on and there's, I, I guess... It's important to recognise as well that Compassionate Communities is about amplifying what already exists. So um, initiatives like Dementia Friendly Towns, um, that's fantastic and it's so relevant to the work. So it's about really establishing partnerships with those existing initiatives and groups. Mm-hmm.
1: So what are the ideal outcomes five years down the line? What are the ideal outcomes for the Ground Soil project? project?
0: Well, the Groundsville Project has a pretty broad and big vision, which is to increase Australia's death literacy. I'm sure Kerry probably spoke a bit to that. Um, so, compassionate communities is really um, a core part of our work, and this project, which um, we're about halfway through now, we hope that this can be um, the beginning of something bigger. So, I think with the eight communities, I mean, I hope that all eight would still be active in in five years time but I'm it's not totally within my control in that sense but certainly after the two years of the project kind of time length I hope that we will um, have co-designed a resource with these eight communities of what they found really useful or what um, they really struggled with that um, we can produce something that will um, be of benefit to the wider movement so my hope is that in the next five years when it comes to compassionate communities in Australia that it just keeps growing and it grows in a really authentic grassroots whole community inspired kind of way.